Welcome to another episode of the Bitewing Games podcast. I'm your host, Nick Murray, and today I am joined again by Kyle Spackman, another honorary and full member of the Bitewing Games team. Uh, you don't hear from him as much through the podcast, but you do hear from him through YouTube, which you, if you haven't checked out his videos yet, they are very slick and delightful. Uh, today we are going to be talking about our top 10 family board games. So without further ado, let's dive in. Kyle, welcome back. It's great to have you here. Super good to chat again. And this is one of my favorite topics because this is about 90% of the games I play is right in this realm. <laughs> That's why I thought it'd be great to include you on this when I was thinking about making this kind of list. Um, so why don't you share with everyone what we mean and don't mean by family games so they know what kind of recommendation we're giving today. Yeah, I think a, a family game is a game that you could really play with just about anyone with your mom and dad, your aunt and uncle, your siblings who aren't that into board games in general. Maybe they've played the the classic Monopoly or Clue or something like that, but they're not into the, the whole board game hobby. So some games that you as a board game hobbyist can enjoy with someone that's new to the hobby. So a game that kind of bridges that gap between a new entrant and also someone that's into the hobby. Totally. I, I think sometimes family board games get a negative connotation, um, maybe uh, subconsciously, because we think, oh, they're kid friendly. They're not, you know, juicy. They're not mean. If you in the mood to be mean on a particular game session, those kinds of things. But um, if you know my family and, you know, my cousins, siblings, um, there are a lot of people in my family who like to be mean, who like to be thinky and cutthroat and so we we're gonna have a good variety i think of choices today for uh any kind of you know family member that you have yeah i think some of these games are games that they're just games to sit around the table and talk and keep your hands busy but some of the games i think have some really good meaningful decisions and just because it plays in 15 minutes doesn't mean that it's any less good than uh some of the other more intense two-hour games absolutely and yeah, that's that's kind of how we both got into the gaming hobby is, is starting with these kinds of games. Um, in some ways, they're synonymous with gateway games and that they're easy to pick up and teach to others, easy to get into and, and uh, play over and over again. Um, but yeah, I think both of our environments were most conducive to these kinds of games. For me personally, I've mentioned it before, but um, when I was going to dental school, I was surrounded by you know, other couples who weren't necessarily gamers, but they were always open to a fun game night. So I couldn't break out super heavy things with most of them, um, but I would break out games that I would still enjoy even after getting deeper and deeper into the hobby. And that would bring just as much joy to me as it would to, uh, you know, people who don't play games on a regular basis. So why, let's dive into this list. I know for me, I didn't rank these um, one through 10. It just didn't really make sense to do that. I think it's just more fun to jump around to the biggest ones that stood out to me. Um, how about for you? Um, yeah, I, I put them in a little bit of an order, 
but it's all a little bit arbitrary. So mine's somewhat ranking getting better and better maybe as we go along the list. But I think all of these games, just excellent games to, to get family and friends to play. Perfect. You want to start us off, Kyle? Yeah. So I had uh, my number 10, some arbitrary number again, but my number 10, I put Blockus. I think Blocks, Blockus is a really fun tile laying game. You're just laying these different Tetris types tile blocks around um, kind of cutting each other off, trying to get to different areas of the board and, and put as many of your pieces out as possible. It plays four players. It, it plays really quick. And I just think it's a fun game. A little bit, it's not mean, but a little bit more like you're trying to get somewhere before someone else. So you have to take a spot from them. So maybe a, little, a few hurt feelings if your family is, is into or isn't into that. But I think Blockus is a really fun, easy, quick, just kind of visually appealing game. Yeah, it's like a almost like a four player version of chess or checkers in some ways, and that it's just so strategic and and uh, thinky, as well as you know, there's no luck involved. You're just picking a tile to place out next and trying to to cut off other people. That's a good choice. My number ten is going to be Camel Up. This is one of the first ones I thought of when I was thinking of. Um, great family board games camel up is one that every time i break it out uh we end up playing it so many times that i get sick of it that night (laughs) (laughs) because people just keep requesting to play it over and over and over again um but i i you know bounce back pretty quickly after you know wearing out on it every time i break it out because it is so fun to play i do like betting um i like the the reactions and the emotions that come with it and the the new version of camel up is has probably an underutilized uh production in the sense that you open the board and a pop-up tree comes out with it (laughs) and i'm surprised that more boards haven't used this because it just adds a nice little flavor to the game and then it's got the dice pyramid where it's a big plastic chunky thing that you pick up and you push a button on the side and it pops a dice out of the bottom. And then the dice are just these like chunky dense pieces of plastic that stack on top of each other. And really it's the perfect production as far as that goes. Um, But the real meat of the game is in that you can uh, really analyze the odds and place bets on which camels you think are going to be in the lead at the end of each leg or kind of each round. And then ultimately place bets on which camel you think is going to be in first place and which camel you think is going to be in last place. And I think my favorite aspect of this game is shooting for the moon when everybody's betting on blue because it's already in the lead and they're thinking, okay, blue's going to be in the lead at the end of this round. And then I look at the layout and I realize, okay, this is a stretch. But if a green three gets rolled, then it's going to jump on top of this camel. And then if that one gets rolled, it's going to be in the lead because it will jump ahead of blue. And (laughs) so when people see me placing a bet on that, nothing is more satisfying probably in all of board kingdom than when it actually happens and people's (laughs) minds are blown as uh, I shot for the moon and I reached it. Uh, It doesn't always happen, but it's so delightful when it does. That's a, a really good game choice. I didn't even think of it. My wife doesn't love camel up for whatever reason, but I think it has a lot of great, you're simply moving these camels around the board and that's, I think, familiar to people and it's it's a lot of fun and visually appealing. And so that's a really, really good choice. Yeah, it has never failed to entertain anybody that I introduce it to. So it'd yeah. be a high recommendation for me just based on that alone. 
All right, moving on to my next, I have the game Bonanza. That This is one of the first games that really got me enjoying board games. I played Catan, and I liked that. I played Ticket to Ride, and I liked that. I played Bonanza, and I was like, I think I just like games. Like It like taught me that like games in general are just fun. So that one holds a special place in my heart because of that, but I just think it's a, a very fun, simple game. It's pretty quick and easy to understand. Um, I've played it dozens of times with family, and, and my parents absolutely love that game, and, and it's simple enough for them to get it. You're just collecting bean cards and you have your hand that you can't reorganize which drives some OCD people a little bit crazy that you can't move your cards around in your hand to organize them but um, it's it's a very fun satisfying game just simply collecting sets of beans and, and trying to get as many as you can before you have to dig them up yeah and that's primarily a, a negotiation game right I played that several years ago but you're trying to trade you know the the bean that you can trade with other people Yep, that's exactly right. Since you can't reorganize your hand, sometimes you get stuck with a card you don't want as a top card and you just have to trade it away to other players and try to get something from them and say, next time you get this card, promise you'll give me that wax bean. And uh, so it's it's a lot of fun. It's a, a game that I would say is played above the table almost more than it is on the table where you're really interacting with players more than you are the actual cards. Yeah, I think last time, well, I've, I've only played this one time and it was kind of before I really dove deep into a hobbyist gaming and so it's a little fuzzy but all i remember is the guy who taught us just destroyed us in it <laughs> but i do remember having a great time with it and it's always been one that every time i see it i'm like i really should just pick up a copy of that it's like 10 bucks and yeah it just looks like a good time it is a lot of fun i think the art's pretty and it's it's very well designed and it also plays up to seven players and i appreciate games like that that will play more players so that when there are six or seven of us together, we actually have a game that is more than just a party game that we can play. Totally. Um, and continuing with the negotiation theme, my, the next one actually on my list is a negotiation game. And I've been hot on those recently. Uh, it's Chinatown. So the reason Chinatown came to mind is because uh, my family, specifically my, my uncle and aunt love to get some of the cousins together and some of their nieces and nephews and rent a houseboat and do a Lake Powell trip. And that's kind of been, you know, usually they do it every other years, something like that. And the last time that we went down to Lake Powell with them, I brought along Chinatown and there were a lot of games that I brought with me. I actually packed my suitcase full of games. There were a couple <laughs> of swimming suits, you know, just filling in the creases and the cracks around these boxes. But that was the main thing I brought. I was the game guy. And Chinatown ended up being one of the biggest hits of the entire trip, surprisingly. I, I introduced it uh, before we went on that trip. And we were, you know, we flew back to Utah to get ready for it. We, I introduced it to my brother-in-law and it was an instant hit with him. And then we took it to Lake Powell. It was an instant hit with, with everyone who played it there. And that was one of the few that they requested. Um, they kind of, you know, nagged at me that we had to play it again before the trip was over. And I was happy to do so because in Chinatown, this is a very simple game. Uh, players are dealt cards that determine which lots they start out owning. And they just place a little disc that looks like a, a it's a plastic token. It looks like a spree candy. And those are actually really satisfying to handle as well. You place out on these lots to show that you own them. And you also draw out of the bag multiple tiles that represent uh, markets or, or different businesses in Chinatown, such as there's takeout and there's laundry 
and there's a variety of different tiles and you're trying to basically collect these sets of tiles and put them together so they connect on the board on spaces that you own um, because as you do that you'll make more and more money and so Chinatown is just this addicting game where you you end up with these lots and these tiles that don't go together the way you want to and so the whole game is about simultaneous negotiation and so at, you know after players collect the things for that round they look around and realize okay what i really want are your tiles and your lots and so i'm going to start trading uh, money and tiles and lots to try to get what i need and anything goes players are trading all at the same time and so it's just loud it's chaotic and it's so entertaining one of my absolute favorite games chinatown I just think games like that are awesome where each experience is different because you play with different players. And so each game can be different because the game can be the same, but who you're playing with changes so much, so many of the dynamics. Totally. You'll get some people who are so kind, you know, when you interact with them and then you sit them down in Chinatown and they are just like these Scrooge (laughs) McDucks with their trading and negotiation. And they're just trying to milk you for all your worth. And you have to really hold your ground because they will rake you over the coals (laughs) in negotiations. If you're not careful. That's too funny. All right. Next up on the list, I have the mind. The mind is a simple deck of cards, one to a hundred. And each player is given starting off the round, just one card and you have to lay the cards in ascending order, but you can't talk at all. And I just think that game is so fun. Like the, the anxiety, the good anxiety that I feel while playing the game as I'm holding this card and someone lays down a 23 and I have a 27 and I wonder if I should lay it immediately or see if anyone else has the next card or if they're going to, anyway, it's just a very fun game, very quick and easy. Um, and it just gives me like that, like good fun anxiety feeling. And, and I feel like every game we're just laughing and having a good time. Oh man, the mind is so good. It's one of those games you hear how it's played, the rules, and you think this can't be, this can't work. This isn't even a game. <laughs> but what it does so well is it it evokes emotions and drama with every round and every you know play of a card, um, and it just boils down and cuts out everything else, all the thinkiness, and it's just it's a game about you know playing by your gut, and I I love it for that. That's actually oh, yeah. one that I broke out in dental school at one point and uh, we were studying for an exam uh, that was you know just a couple hours away but as a break we broke out the mind and we actually almost beat it in four players after I got them playing a few rounds and getting the hang of it and uh, I still haven't beat that yet though have you have you beat the mind at any player count I've beat it at two players um on an anniversary my wife and I were playing the mind. We thought that would be a fun little thing. And we, uh, we ended up beating it two player and it was so satisfying. Man, we've gotten so close. I think we've gotten to the last round and still had like, I think a couple lives going in and then just got absolutely wrecked <laughs> <laughs> by how the cards were dealt. So, and I guess, you know, not following our gut instincts. So yeah, great choice. Uh, another short, quick filler game along those lines. That is one of my, also one of my favorites this is one that we played it with my family and i don't even think we had finished playing it yet and my mom had actually bought a copy on amazon just to have one around for herself and so sold her on it sold the rest of my family on it it is for sale this is a bidding slash auctioning game that is very simple to play everybody starts out with the same amount of coins and uh, cards are flipped up 
that represent houses that are worth different values. Those values range from one to 30. And a one is like a cardboard box value house. 30 is a space station. And then you've got like a lighthouse and a castle in between that are high value ones. The whole range of houses with uh, actually a lot more personality and, and charm to it than you would expect looking at the box, such as each card has an animal or a pet um, somehow, somewhere hidden on the, uh, the card near the house, which I think is kind of a, a fun touch. But the reason this game is so great is you take turns going around and bidding for the houses in the center equal to the number of players. So everybody's going to get a car. They're going to get a house. Whoever passes first gets the worst of the bunch. And uh, once you pass, you still have to pay half of what you bid and you have a limited amount of money. And then this is one of the most amazing things about this game is eventually everybody ends up with the same number of cards in their hand with varying values, depending on how well they were able to bid an auction for them. Any leftover money you have is going to be worth points at the end of the game, but then it enters a completely different phase where what you bid for becomes your hand to play out in a different kind of auction. And in this case, uh, multiple checks or, or money cards are flipped face up and then players are secretly going to choose a value house from their hand to sell and in hopes of getting a higher value money from the center, but they do it simultaneously. So I love auctioning games. This has two different forms of it and they both tie together so beautifully. This is, you know, one that's always been a hit when I break it out with people that is for sale. We just played, I just played it for my second time this last weekend with my family. My brother got it for Christmas at my recommendation and, and he got it. And I, it's a lot of fun. Kind of that double auction over the two rounds is a lot of fun. Yeah, and what's cool is they recently announced a, an expansion for it. I'm interested to see how that is, but also a new version. I think it's called Automa, or uh, it's vehicle-themed instead of house-themed. So mm -hmm. if that interests you, you can, you can check out that version as well. They're both easy to find. I would not recommend the travel edition that has little paper money. I would recommend you know pay, pay 10 more bucks to get the cardboard tokens if you get regular for sale. Very nice. The, my next, uh, my number seven is one that I'll be surprised if you don't have on your list. It is The Crew. Is that on your list? <laughs> it actually is not, but it, oh it should be because it's. I gave it a 10 out of 10, and there's very few games that I gave that, but it is it is a really good. Oh, my gosh. I, don't I know. thought I knew you better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that didn't end up on here. <laughs> um, well, The Crew is a, is a trick-taking game. It's a simple card game. Um, and I don't always love trick-taking games, and it's a cooperative game, and I don't always love cooperative games either. However, this game just does a phenomenal job of, of combining the, the cooperative and the trick-taking. You're, you're trying to complete objectives and have a certain player win a certain card in their hand. Um, and the communication is the real key in this game that you can't communicate other than putting a little putting one of your cards down and you can either state this is the highest card I have, the lowest card I have, or the only card I have of a certain suit. Um, and just that communication aspect of it and trying to get someone to win a certain hand is, is a very fun and challenging, almost impossible thing sometimes. And um, I think it's a very, very fun, quick game. And what I love most about it probably is that a round takes about five minutes. So if you want to play 10 rounds, you are great. You can go play a whole hour of the game. If you want to play two rounds, you play 10 minutes and you're good. So, so it's, it's just nice on how dynamic the length of the game can be. The crew is so good. That's why, you know, I don't write many reviews on our blog, um, but when I really love a game and I think it's not getting enough love, or I just really want to 
gush over it than I do write a review. And this is one that I did. And funny enough, I only recently found out that we played the entire game, all 50 scenarios incorrectly. <laughs> we, uh, we got a rule wrong that actually made the game harder for, it was, it was my wife, Cammie, and our friend and neighbor, Mark, that played through all 50 missions. It took us uh, a lot of, you know, well, weeks to get through them, you know, just kind of getting together when we had time to do it. Um, this was kind of back before COVID when we finally knocked it out. And <laughs> yeah, the, the rule that we got wrong actually is that when you, when you deal out the objectives, we thought that it was just given in order starting with the commander and then the next person and then the next person. So you never got to choose which objective you got unless the mission explicitly stated that you do get to choose. But I went, I don't know why I was reading the rules later, but I realized like, oh, you can always choose your objective, which makes it significantly easier. <laughs> that does make a big difference. I'm impressed you made it through doing it that way because that yeah. sounds rather impossible. Well, we got to mission 50, which is like complete 10 objectives or something crazy like that. And I think we played it two or three times or four times and we, we just failed miserably every time. And we were kind of at our last straw at that point. We're like, we don't know if this is possible to win <laughs> because just the way the cards come out, it's so hard to work around. And we're, we decided, okay, this is going to be our last attempt. And then we'll be satisfied if we never win mission 50, because it's so flipping hard with this incorrect rule. And we didn't realize <laughs> at the time and we actually won it. And so if, if you are looking, you know, if you're playing the crew and you're thinking this is a little bit too easy and it's probably easier at, at lower player counts, um, then play it by that rule where those just get dealt out in order starting with the commander instead of anybody choosing unless it explicitly says otherwise it's a it's a great challenge <laughs> and that's we still funny. had a 10 out of 10 experience with it so yeah that's impressive <laughs> um so another game with with a good challenge to it and and fairly high skill ceiling i kind of uh i'm gonna give two games two recommendations here and this is mostly due to uh budget limitations if people are are concerned about that but if there is anything that's worth saving up for, I believe it is a crokinole board. And if you do not have the finances at this time or you'd prefer to try it out before buying, which is definitely a, a wise move with, you know, usually a board, a good board costs you over $200, then I would recommend Clask, which is only about $40 and you can find it at Target or Walmart, wherever. Uh, both of these games are killer dexterity games, whether it's with your spouse head to head or with Crokinole, particularly playing a 2v2 game. Crokinole and Clask are games that I can get anybody into. And if if you hate, if you have somebody in your family that just hates card games and board games because they're, I don't know, slow and thinky and they're not like sports or whatever, um, these are the games you need to show them because it's so satisfying there's there's this skill element to it and the skill ceiling is is breathlessly high because you know you watch the pros play and they're it's like bowling they're just hitting you know the strikes left and right they're landing the their disc in the center and you know it's funny how you'll go from one shot that's incredible and crokinole to the very next being just the most embarrassing thing ever and it's kind of hilarious how you can and 
experience that whole spectrum of emotions within a single game. And Clask is like air hockey, but with magnets and it's small. It doesn't take up nearly as much space as an air hockey table, but it's so clever because if you've ever played air hockey, you're just mindlessly trying to hit it into their goal. And that's one possible winning objective of Clask. But the other two are to not um, self-sabotage yourself and kind of lose control of your, your piece you're controlling. But also there's these little magnetic biscuits in this that start out in the center of the table three little ones and you can actually aim at those when you're trying to knock this ball around with your with your token and if you are able to knock it into the other player's pawn or they move their pawn too close to these things then the magnet will stick to it and if two biscuits stick to your your pawn then that's another way that you will allow the other person to score a point. So there's these three dynamics where I just love how you can back somebody into a corner. They're completely surrounded by biscuits. You're thinking to yourself, I got this point in the bag. And then suddenly you clask yourself and you uh, lose control of your pawn, your player pawn. And it's just a hilarious game. So both killer, both great additions to my collection and for any family, in my opinion. I think that's great to have a different type of game, a dexterity game that is a, a different thing that people may like. My next, my number six is Ticket to Ride, a, a classic game. I think it's one that I still am sometimes surprised at the number of people who they'll say, hey, have you ever heard of this game? It's called Ticket to Ride. You have these trains and stuff. I still have quite a few people come up to me and ask, and I, I love that people are discovering the game and, and finding games that are more of this, this family board game, but kind of jumping into that hobby board game thing. Um, and I'm not going to say a ton about Ticket to Ride. It's, it's a pretty popular game, but if you haven't played it, it's just a, a good family game. You're just building trains along a route and trying to complete objectives. I think it's funny because, you know, coming into the hobby, I, I saw, noticed there was this obsession with train games. And I thought, what's, what's the big deal? It's just trains. And, you know, Ticket to Ride is a great game. So I can understand where that comes from. But now, several years later i can look at my collection and realize oh my gosh i have so many train games now. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't like i i uh, actively sought out that that was like my passion is is train games but there's so many good ones out there and ticket to ride is is a great one to start with and if you're looking for even more there's there's plenty more to find so good choice uh, my next pick is another one that i took to lake powell and got my relatives hooked on and it's actually one that I wouldn't have predicted they would have gotten hooked on. <laughs> it is called, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this correctly, so forgive me, uh, Condotier. Uh, I think that's a French title. I will spell it for you. It's spelled Condo, T-T-I-E-R-E. -E. So I was lazy. I only half spelled it, but uh, hopefully you'll be able to find it. It is found on uh, online retailers right now. I just checked earlier because I was worried I was going to suggest a game that nobody could access because it is older. And... I'm going to give you a warning here for those of you who use board game geek and look this up. You've never heard of it. It has below a seven has like a 6.5 out of 10. And so going into it, I was skeptical that it was, you know, still a, a great game, even though I had heard some, some reviewers that I follow really like it, but it is, it is an awesome game. I, I'm a big fan of this. It's sort of a uh, area control mixed with auctioning mixed with bluffing card game. And I love the way it plays out. You can play this with three players. You can play it with five and it works just as well between that range. Um, probably well at two as well, but you are fighting for control over a specific area on a map. 
and whoever wins that area gets to place a cube there. And then whoever places three cubes next to each other and in three neighboring areas is wins the game or whoever's first to place out five of their cubes wins the game. And what's interesting is everybody starts out with a big hand of cards and you can choose to, to fight really hard in an area and throw down a bunch of your cards. But if you're one of those people who passes on that specific fight, then you will have more cards to work with in the next uh, battle over a different area. And so, you know, it, it's interesting deciding whether to go hard early or save your cards late. But if you're the last person with cards in your hand, then you're going to lose the rest of your cards. You can't just, you know, fight yourself. And so that's interesting. But there are also cards that you can play out and, and kind of force people's hands to play their, their best cards early. And there are specific cards you can play that will take back your best cards. And so um, you can kind of force people's hands early and then take back your own best cards and then save those for later. And there's just a lot of interesting things going on here. I'm a huge fan of it. And the the real testament that it's a good family board game is that I got my uncle and my uh, cousins into it and they don't play many games. And that was one of their favorites of the whole trip as well. That's Condottier or Condottoir. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> yeah, I had never even heard of that one. I'll have to look that one up. It's a great one. All right. My number five, I think I'm on is on tour. On tour is a roll and write. So that's a game where you roll the dice and then you have some kind of a board and you'll actually write the numbers from the dice on the board. Um, it's a really, really fun game. You're just trying to create basically the longest path across uh, the United States or Europe um, that the band's going to tour across. And so you're just using these die rolls to, to place the numbers on the board and, and try to connect them in ascending order. And it's a very simple, very fun thing, but that's a game that I felt like has created a good experience where everyone around the table is like holding their breath as you roll the die saying, please roll in the fifties, please roll on the fifties. And uh, it's just a, it's a fun experience every time that we play. And it's something that if you win or lose, you're just having a really good time playing it. Totally. I, I'm a big fan of that one. That's a good choice. Let's see. Next one I'm thinking of, oh, I was going to mention just roll and rights in general, I think are really great family board games. Um, on tour is a really nice production. There are also really cheap ones. I've gotten my brother and his wife into that's pretty clever. And even though it's one of the ugliest games on existence, um, that's one that you can play over zoom really easily. We've done that before. Um, even though we're long distance from each other. And so, yeah, that's a good choice. I, I was tempted to include a roll and write, but I'm glad you you did. So um, my next pick is Wavelength. This and Camel Up are honestly my go-to party games with uh, non-gamers. And Wavelength, I also did a review for, and you did a review for. We have a, a text review from me and a video review from Kyle. So if you want to know more about this game, I will suggest you go there. Uh, the reason I add it here, though, is it, it really induces some of the most hilarious conversations I've ever had in a party game setting where you're debating, you know, how fragile or how durable is a five year old. <laughs> and I, I still remember this conversation we had. Somebody gave this as a clue and it started out and we were like, man, five year olds are like really durable. You'll see them just run full speed ahead into a wall and drop cry for two seconds get up and then they're fine you know or they're like fall down from a chair or whatever and they're good to go within seconds it seems like 
<laughs> and so we were all leaning towards like, you know, they're pretty durable. And then one, one guy, his name's Nate. He just like spoke up and was like, okay, but if you punch a five-year-old as hard as you can in the face, you know, that's going to put them in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, Hey, that's a good point. You know, they, they definitely can't take a punch as well. <laughs> so we, we don't endorse that kind of thing, but it's just kind of funny to, uh, you know, be in those kind of conversations and, and really debate like, okay, on this, on the scale of complete and perfect durability to absolute fragility, where does a five-year-old fit, you know? And it's, you know, conversations like that just come up throughout the game. It's full of laughs. It's full of memorable, you know, experiences. So, and it's, it's got a game show presence. One of the best productions, I think, in all of party games. And so that is Wavelength. I have that on my list as well. We have our first overlap. Yes. I, uh, I almost thought, I was like, can I put that on there? It's a, it's more of a party game than it is a family game, but it's one that I feel like, like you said, you have really good, fun conversations. You're having a great time together. And it's, I feel like of, of all the games here, that one's more about the relationships and the fun you're having. Um, and it, to me, is a little different than some of the other party games where you're just, I don't know, kind of filling time or whatever and not interacting really with people. So I agree yeah. with Wavelength. And it really shines at six or more players. Um, which may be hard to do for you right now. There is an app out though that you should check out. Um, I think is is a good alternative. And the the two player, three player, the lower count mode is actually pretty good too. I think there's a cooperative version that the first time we played it, my wife and I just played it together and, and actually enjoyed it quite a bit. But it it does shine best with the bigger group conversation aspect. I think. Well, perfect. We got wavelength for my list for my next one. So I think you're on to your number. Th- four three whatever we're on ah, okay we might uh, maybe we'll have another crossover here because i know you guys like this game this is ethnos it's, uh, i had thought about this one but this one didn't make my list okay it's um it has it shares some similarities to ticket to ride so actually if you are a fan of ticket to ride and you're looking for kind of a similar thing you think people will like a similar kind of game but definitely different enough that they don't feel like they overlap too much and and one cannibalizes the other ethnos is so good um it's it's one that i i was reluctant to pick up when i watched all these um raving reviews about it back in the day because of just how bland it looked and off-putting and, and you know the art in uh i guess in a vacuum the art is actually really well done but just the way it's all presented and the map is just like a a copy and paste of Slovakia, I think. I think it's Slovakia. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> so it's like this fantasy theme with Slovakia as the map. And <laughs> I don't know, the colors are just muted. And really, it's a family game through and through. Um, even though there's like, you know, just a, like a skeleton getting his guts ripped out, even though skeletons don't have guts on the cover. That's just kind of the vibe it gets and gives. Uh, this is such a good game because... Uh, the aspect of pressing your luck and deciding when to commit are, are so strong in this game. Players are, and you gave a review of this, right? A video review. Yeah, I did a, a big review and that was a big thing I talked about was the looks versus the gameplay and how I feel like they don't match. But yeah, I, I give this high, high reviews for a great family game. Yeah. And I've seen people, you know, some people, not everybody complain that it's like, you're just top decking, which means you're just, um digging through the top of the deck to find the card that you're looking for but 
I feel like when people give those complaints, they're completely neglecting the other aspect of the game that balances this out because whatever cards you don't use that you're just digging through the deck for, you're eventually going to put out on display for everybody else to pick through. And so, um, you know, although it can be, you know, strategic to just dig through the top of the deck for that one last card that you need, whatever it is, um, it's, it's the perfect balance between, you know, do I keep digging for this card that I so desperately want, this merfolk that's blue or whatever, or do I finally just play out my cards and settle for something slightly worse than what I was going for? And then towards the end of the three rounds, when you know that dragon can come out at any moment, the last dragon that just ends the game or ends the round instantaneously and makes your hand obsolete, that's when things get really tense. And I, oh man, I just love everything about this game. I agree. It is a great game. I feel bad I didn't add it to the list, but you got it. So we're good. <laughs> yeah. And you got the crew. We're, we're covering all the bases here. We're set. All right. My number three, I think I'm on is King Domino. King Domino is a game. My brother owns it. And it's one that I just, I love when he pulls out. Cause I think it's a, a fun, quick game. It's pretty simple. You're just, you're laying tiles. You have, you're making a, a five by five grid. I think it is. So um, you just are taking these handful of these 12 tiles really and laying them out on the board. And uh, it's just a super simple, quick, the mechanism for drafting, I think is really fun of if you take a good tile now, you're going to be the last one to take a tile for the next round. Um, it, to me, introduces some good aspects in the board game hobby um, that people almost don't even know about. So it just kind of it introduces them to new things and, and gets them used to having tiles and little domino things. So I think King Domino is an excellent family game. Absolutely. I, I have memories, fond memories of playing this with my sister and her husband um, multiple times. I think it plays best personally at, at three or four players. I recently played it at two and I was like, oh, this isn't as good as, you know, the higher counts for, um, I guess, because you're it's easier to get whatever you want. And it, it bring, takes away some of the tension of like, okay, there's only one option for me here. And what do I go for? But I'm, I'm the kind of person who loves tension. And so I guess if you enjoy a, a little bit easier going time than two players isn't bad. Yeah, I agree. I think three or four is better than two. It still plays well, but a little bit better with more. Good old King Domino. That's a classic. Uh, we'll, we'll keep going with the, the classic simple ones here with love letter is that on your list oh my gosh i didn't even put that one i don't know how <laughs> because that is one of my all-time favorite games i'm kind of i'm again mad at myself for not adding that one. <laughs> love letter is so good it, it comes in this uh tiny little drawstring bag and it's one that can easily get lost on your shelf because it is so small i think there are box versions out there there's like a million versions of love letter you can get I don't know. They've, they've come out with the Hobbit theme. They've come out with Batman themed, but a lot of these are hard to find now. And I think they print one every year. And maybe right now, as we're recording this, it might be really hard to find Love Letter. It seems like that's been the case recently, but just hold on for, I don't know, a few more months and there'll definitely be more copies or a newer version cropping up. But Love Letter came to mind because <laughs> I, uh, we, we visited my sister and her husband in Tennessee a few times now, and I've, I always bring some games down. And whenever I try to get them to play a game at night after they put their kids to bed, they're, they're tired, they've had a long day, and they're just like, uh, I don't want to learn a new game, or like, I don't want to spend all this time playing a game tonight. 
And so they're like, just, just pick a really fast and easy one. So I break out love letter. And of course, without fail, their, you know, 10, 20 minute plans to play a game become two hours. <laughs> you played love letter for two hours. I think so. Yeah. At least the first <laughs> time we played it with them. Cause they, you know, we would play until somebody won and then they'd be like, let's go again. <laughs> and it's just, it's such a good game of deduction and bluffing and, it plays so fast and it's one of those games where, you know, player em- elimination is usually a bad thing in board games. You know, why would it be a good thing to eliminate somebody from the activity and make them watch? Um, but in some cases it works and in love letter, it especially works because the rounds are so fast and it's funny when people get eliminated and they're right back in very quickly. And, and it has a nice little balance to it. You know, it, there's a lot of luck involved, but as somebody gets more and more cubes, gets closer to winning more victories, then it's easier for others to just gang up on them and try to eliminate them first to, to keep things in check. So love letter, a lot of fun. I've only really played at four players. I've never tried it at lower counts. Four players is like perfection with this game. I've played it at two and three, and I think it still plays great. And yeah, I, I did a review on this one. And it, honestly, like if I, if I have five or 10 minutes, I'm going to pull this game out. No questions. Like such a fun game you can take somewhat big risks and it doesn't matter because yeah if you get out of the game you're back in in two minutes i don't like player elimination games and this is maybe like the one one game that i'll play as a player elimination because yeah one two minutes you're sitting out and you're still having a fun time watching so good all right next on my list moving up to the the top or the bottom whichever way you do it um i have i kind of cheated here i have Seven Wonders, but I also have Sushi Go Party. Kind of the same game. One of them is just the dumbed down, simplified version. Uh, Seven Wonders is still maybe my favorite game. I just think it has so many good aspects to it. It's a very simple. You pick a card and you pass the other cards to your neighbor. You pick a card, you pass the cards to your neighbor. A simple form of drafting, um, but just the, the collection of cards that you can do and what cards you pass. And if you need to take a card so your neighbor doesn't get it or take a card so you can get this big collection and um i just think it's a really good game and yeah sushi goes just kind of the the family style version of it. a little bit simpler rules a little bit quicker to understand and to play but um seven wonders or sushi go party are just phenomenal games totally i back when i was a teenager and and knew really nothing about the the greater world of board games i guess the, the larger world of board games i, I wouldn't say board games are greater than seven wonders because this is a killer game this was my favorite back in the day and this was one that <laughs> when we broke out you know we were we weren't joking around we're like we're gonna play a serious board game here and this is like for casual board gamers this is a serious board game <laughs> and uh you know it, it is very simple once you you learn how to play and so there's a lot of icons initially but it's very easy to pick up i think and easy to teach others yeah. um and it's still a classic that they actually kind of re updated the visuals it's similar visuals but you know slicker and uh still a great game I, i'm also a fan of seven wonders and if you are stuck with only one person in your household seven wonders duel is you know a killer two-player version of it so yep great so next game on the list is one that i i showed cammy my wife all of the games that I have played and she's played most of these games from 2020 that were released that year, just last year. And 
there's about 40 of them, which is surprising. I think there's a couple expansions and, and some smaller games mixed in there. So they help to inflate things a little bit. But I asked her of all these games that she's played, which one is her favorite? And I had in my mind which one I think she would pick. And sure enough, it was My City from Reiner Knizia. Uh, this is a legacy style game that doesn't overwhelm you with its legaciness. Uh, this is a, a polyomino game that looks fairly bland and I guess pretty uh, basic from the outside. It's basically just bingo or kind of a roll and write style where you flip a card and whatever card gets flipped, whatever icon shown on there, that's the piece that everybody places from their supply onto their player board. And, you know, the entire description for this game was kind of a turnoff for me to begin with, but this is Reiner Knizia and you can never count him out. And I started hearing really good things about it from the people I listen to in the industry. And so I broke down and got it, especially where it's so cheap. I was like, why not? Let's give this game a try. See what's up here. And sure enough, within the first game, I was like, Reiner, you dog. (laughs) This game is so good. And it's so tense. There's no interaction to begin with, which I guess minor spoiler. There's, there's a little bit more later on in a race to complete an objective style, but to begin with, there's no interaction. This this didn't have really any ingredients for me. I do like polyomino games, but didn't really have any ingredients that uh, really jumped out at me as being like, I'm going to love this game. Despite all that, I love this game. This is probably one of the best games of 2020 and arguably one of the best legacy games of all time because it doesn't get bogged down in all of the setup and teardown and additional rules that that are easy to forget. You know, one one thing that I've noticed with the legacy games that we've played is the early modes you get used to how the rules are and later ones keep adding more and more and more and changing things and then you come back maybe a few weeks later you haven't played it in a bit and it's so hard to forget okay what were all the rules they just added in in the most recent plays you have to go back and read it again and then a setup takes longer than it used to and teardown takes longer than it used to and it's just kind of a pain but my city just eliminates all of that this is a quick and easy game you can play in 20 minutes and i could rave about this forever but i did write a big article on this it was battle of the polyominoes where i compared my city to baron park and new york zoo and patchwork which are all great polyomino games and my city ended up being the number one game among all those within all the categories i ranked them in and uh, that, I had played the game at that point maybe almost 10 times. Now we've almost completed the whole campaign of 24 games. And I'm even more sure that this is the best polyomino game out there. And I will fight you if you think that that is wrong. Well, I'm just about to go jump on Amazon and uh, see if I you can't find it, it or, or somewhere, wherever I can find it. It's so cheap and it's so, so good. Oh my gosh. It's, it's perfect if you have a spouse or just even one person in your household. It's perfect. If you have three or four people, still perfect. It's one of those games that it's so easy. Like for us, we have two kids. We just had a, another baby on New Year's Eve and, you know, some nights are exhausting. I, I get home from work and Cammy's been dealing with kids all day and we want to play a game, but we don't have the energy for it, but we always have the energy for my city. And one play is never enough. Once you get to the end of it, it energizes you <laughs> as you play. It's so perfect for any situation. I think easy to break out and easy to get addicted to. And uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I, 
probably overhype this for a lot of people because when you start playing, it's it's nothing revolutionary, but it's so tightly designed and so clever in the ways that it tweaks each individual play that I, yeah, this is one of my absolute favorites from the past year. Well, I'm excited to try it out. Well, my number one, do, 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 top one on my list is Between Two Cities. This is a game mm-hmm. that I played for the first time a year ago, just before COVID hit and before we were all shut down at a at SaltCon, a board game convention. And I played it and I thought it was a lot of fun. I was like, I think my family will like this. And I honestly think I've played it probably like 16, 17 times in the last year since I bought it. Oh, wow. My family just loves this game. And there's not a ton of games I can get both of my parents to play and my siblings and the in-laws. And there's always someone. But we, we pull that game out and almost everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'll play this one. I'll, someone else can watch the kids. And um, <laughs> and like, really, I've played it so many times. Honestly, I'm like, in some ways, a little tired of it. It's, it's a really fun game. It's great. And I love it. Um, it's a little simple. You're just take kind of the same drafting as seven wonders you take a tile you pass the tiles um the the real catch about this game is that you're building cities on each side of you so you're working with both of your neighbors but whatever city has the less the fewer points is what your final score is so you're trying to get the highest score but you can't hose one city because then that will be the city you get a score of so you're trying to evenly uh, kind of match your two cities of these tiles you're laying and um, I didn't explain that extremely well, but it's a a very fun game. It's a very interesting one, how you're working kind of cooperatively, but not really at all. And and just a very simple gameplay, really quick to play. And again, it plays up to seven players really well. And I just think that one is is maybe my number one kind of family entry board game. Yeah, it's such a unique concept and and with basically minimal downtime because everybody's playing at the same time. You reveal your two tiles that you're going to devote one to either side and then you're spending time discussing with each other, you know, how you want to arrange things. We we played the newer version, I guess like not really new. It is newer. Yeah. Um but kind of alternate version to this between two castles of Mad King Ludwig and had a great time with it. Um yeah, it's it's really a cool concept that that you both cooperate with both your teammates but you're also trying to basically both make both of your structures that you're working on better than anyone else's so that your weaker of the two is the best of anybody's weakest just just a cool concept in general it is a really nice concept i've played the between two castles as well that one to me isn't quite as much of an entry level family thing there's just a lot of different components you're looking at between two cities to me is just like the the very simplified dumbed down version anyone can pick up and enjoy yeah yeah castles takes a bit more to teach with a lot of icons going on so i guess if you have more of a gamer geared family that are used to more stuff going on then that would be maybe the suggestion and a great great production too yep okay my last pick comes as inspiration from my co-workers actually this is one that we play together constantly uh on our phones and you can obviously play it on the table too but there's a website for it and it works beautifully it is code names mm. code names is such an easy game to get people into it's it can be played at parties it can be played you know with just four players at smaller counts and i don't know if you haven't heard of or played code names at this point I would be shocked if you are listening to our podcast. So 
If that is the case, then I will also suggest the uh, similar style game that I actually personally prefer. I think both are great. Both have their place. Codenames is better as a casual uh, environment, which is why it's on my list here. But my other suggestion is Decrypto. Uh, Decrypto is, it in my mind, it allows even more opportunities for, for clever clues and, and freedom to really outthink your opponents because the clues that you give from round to round build on each other and they they carry this thread that your opposing team is trying to follow and so you really have to outthink them you have to get into their heads and think okay what are they going to guess based on this clue and decrypto is is so much fun it's one that i just stumbled across at my first board game convention or second board game convention no it was my first one and instantly fell in love with it and it still has held up strong to this day so the code names and decrypto are my last suggestions as family board games well i think it's a really good list that we had and we talked about um are there any other exciting family board games that you know of that people can expect to see coming out this year nick ah yes sir so we've mentioned a little bit about social grooming our quick easy simple negotiation game that i have played with all kinds of family members as i've been testing it on them like like guinea pigs and uh, and friends and coworkers, and it is tested well in all settings and we have actually started teasing out some of the art so if you check out our facebook or instagram page at bitewing games you can see paul williams uh who his brand is barbagazi outdoors or you went to alcon Ali Khan, I probably mispronounced that. My apologies, but he has a great art style. We are starting to tease that out. But even bigger news here, social grooming is not the only family-friendly game we intend to publish this year. We, we've been doing some of the, our homework, uh, doing lots of homework to make this the best possible Kickstarter campaign and production and experience that we can provide to you guys. And we are planning to bundle this with two other games at this point all under the art direction of Paul the Magnificent. And so, and it's not just our designs. This is, this is going to be from a designer that you have known and heard about. And we don't want to divulge too much quite yet, but we are, I think, getting close to signing a contract here. And we will be sharing even more teaser info. But at this point, the games are probably going, I, okay, I'll, I'll leave you this little tease. So, uh, Social grooming is a negotiation game. And if negotiation is the theme of that game, then the other two games are bluffing and scheming. And so that, those were the three key words I thought of that kind of really describe these, these three games well. So we are excited to share more. Uh, Paul is on board and excited about the possibilities for these games. So, so keep an ear and an eye out. Um, we'll keep sharing more through social media and beyond about these games. We're super excited that we could even be working with a designer, an external designer this early on in our publishing endeavor. Yep, I'm very excited for things moving forward and can't wait to share more of it with you guys. Awesome. So if you have any questions or you want any recommendations for other family board games, if you heard our whole list and you said, I've played all of these, I bet I have even more for you. So please, reach out to me. I even just played one yesterday that is basically unrated on Board Game Geek, and I think it is so good. Um, so if you want to know even more recommendations from us, we always have more. We're happy to offer them. 
reach out to us through our social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the works at bitewinggames.com. And we hope to have you back soon.